At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, it's Yas here, and I'm calling today with a little favor to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions, and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialing a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now, these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT, live on Twitter space, if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in, where myself and Gerard will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that is at the Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. How to lead players and taking ownership. What are your thoughts on the on the topic? Where where are you looking at it from, and we'll go from there. Right. So, no, can you hear me? Okay, Yas. Yeah, I got you, mate. Perfect. So, uh, the first question I've got back, even to you and everyone in the room listening, is what's your definition of ownership? You know, because we often use this word, and perhaps it's a buzzword, but I think it's important that the player is driving their development, right? And that's where I want to start before I. I go off on one is like, what does it actually mean for you? Because, and I like how it's been worded, how to lead players in taking ownership, because it's got to be that they're, it's, it's for them and they're driving it versus us, um, you know, driving it for them. I'm not saying you can't necessarily show them and give them direction in certain areas, but ultimately it's got to come from the player. What, what's your initial thoughts on that, Yaz? No, I think it's a great question, and I, you know, one for me. I'm all, you know, I'm all about clarity, as you know, and it's probably one of my favorite words. To be fair, I think ownership in itself. I think it's it, it can be subjective, but if we kind of draw drawing a bit of a definition to it and put an un- underline on it, it's probably encouraging players to take a bit of accountability for their own development. I think um, as t- as time's gone on, as I've gone through my coaching journey, and you know, all the experience I've had, and not just in working with players, but in engaging with parents as well, it's trying to shift it to a cultural mindset of if we're looking at training as an example come to training with the mindset of I'm coming to train 
and not with the mindset of I'm coming to be trained. And I think, it, you know, that probably, you know, it's a really good way of me summarising it from my perspective in terms of what ownership looks like. Are, are they going to come then really seek as many opportunities to learn and develop as possible? Or are they just waiting for things to be handed to them in, in, in you know, in some ways, if you like? I don't know what your thoughts are on that, or whether that aligns with your own view of what it is. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to ask that question, because I think we've all been guilty of it, even though, and I look back, I reflect on my own journey, like when we've done individual development plans, when we've talked about individual objectives, when we've talked about all these things, even working in an academy setting or working at the grassroots level or working with international players or wherever it may be, even as a coach developer, you know, I always ask myself the question of, well, who's choosing the mentor? Who's setting the objectives? Because realistically, they should be. You know, I like how in some environments, the players, uh, to your point, Yaz, that accountability and responsibility for your own learning, they'll actually drive it and they'll be like, I need to seek out Yaz because Yaz is going to give me X. As part of my needs, I need to get better at dealing with contact or making contact, what that looks like. I need to get better at um, understanding my positional sense when, I, when we receive the ball in these areas. Where do I need to be? Or I need to get uh, fitter and stronger my uh, recovery distances. Right, I'm going to have to deal with, is it something for the SNC? Or I need to get better at, um, you know, whatever it may be. You know, learning a language. It could be anything. It could be just the emotional control. You know, managing your own emotional control in games. Because, you know, we can be purposeful as coaches in designing these, you know, people have used the phrase bumps in the road and challenges for the players. You know, we can do things where it's like, hey, bump, we're going to do, you know, this is a free kick or whatever to see how they respond. But do the players know why and what's the relevance to them? And is it always the coach setting the objective, deciding who's going to mentor them, who's, what the development plan is going to look like? Or can we give autonomy to the players and say, this is you? And it doesn't mean like, you know, not giving them any guidance when they ask for feedback, but they've got to be able to take ownership. And I think it's a partnership. I genuinely think part of that ownership means that it's personal to them because learning is personal. It's individual. Performance and learning and development is individual. It's personal. And I think it's also um, a partnership where we can co-design. I know you got your hand up, yeah. So yeah, I don't want to go any further. Yeah, no, I've just I had to put it up because I was I was probably going to lose my point, man. Um, no, my mind's blo- my mind's blown <laughs> on what you're saying already. So I think there's a few things there, isn't there? There's um, you know, something that you talk about a lot is you know around the role of the coach and being a learning designer. You know, how well are we integrating with the players and understanding that right? We're essentially. As you put it, it's a partnership. We're co-creating these experiences, but we, or we should be co-creating these experiences on an individual level, recognizing that every single player is going to have different challenges and different needs and different wants from the environment you're working in. But also, I think something that's really key that you've talked about there is subtly is that it's also us as coaches understanding and knowing what, what where do our strengths lie, where are our areas for development, can, can we really add value in the way the player that is in question needs it and wants it or is that something that we might need to signpost them to somewhere else or even go away and be you know just be open and honest with them say look i haven't got the answer to that question or i haven't got the answer to that at this point in time but i can go away and 
we can, we can get we can you know we can come up with some ideas together or or I can go away and find out more about it for you um and I think it's just taking that piece of vulnerability from the coach as well recognizing actually you don't have to have the answers for everything you're not going to be skilled and an expert at everything either um so I think that you know it's really important to highlight that and you know I'm seeing it firsthand with different coaches that I'm working with at the moment where they're finding their own challenges with this with this area and allowing players to take ownership and it's almost you know I had a conversation with someone just yesterday in fact where he said you know, he, he, when he gets asked a question by a player, he, he, he finds it insulting. And I say, well, actually, do you know what? I think it's a blessing in disguise. Because if players are asking you questions, that means they're engaged. They're interested. They're curious. They want to know They want to know the answers. And they're coming to you because, as a coach, they, they're putting their trust in you. Now, if you go go you know, go you forward with that, that opportunity of trust that they are, they're giving you and you don't stay authentic to it in, in the fact that, Actually, do you know what, Joe? I don't actually have the answer to that question right now, but let's let's discuss this. Let's figure it out. But I think it's also really important that when we're looking at setting individual um, plans and, and and whatnot, that it's we're setting plans in a way where we're allowing the players to express their views, their wants, their needs, and we're just maybe probing for for extra considerations for them around it. If that makes sense, I'm not sure if it does, but you know, it'd be interesting to get your views. And like I said, you know, I wanted to put my hand up just really quickly, just to, before I forgot that point, because I think it's really relevant to what you've just said. No, it's very relevant, and I completely agree with what you said. And um, it made me think then, like there was—I don't know if there's anyone from West Ham listening in, but I remember years ago, I was head of coaching. So this is like 2017 or so, around that point, I was head of coaching at Rovers, and. Um, Basically, you know, as part of my own personal development, there were certain areas where I wanted to get better at back then. Um, I didn't have those experiences like I do now. So I ended up, uh, you know, getting a role within the FAW because I wanted to improve in coach ed and how I mentor certain coaches. But I also wanted to learn from the best. And I remember Pete Trivian, if anyone remembers uh, Triv, and he at the time was head of coaching at West Ham. And I reached out to him and he invited me down to come for a day at West Ham. And it was great just being around him because there were certain things that, you know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, as you talked about there, like signposting, that you can you can do those type of things. And there were certain people I'd signpost to Triv because he'd had so much experience of working with players that, uh, if anyone knows his story, you know, what he's done not only with the FA, but also with Ipswich. You know, he's worked with your Darren Ambrose, your Kieran Dyers, your Richard Wrights, your Marcus Bentz, your Darren Bentz. Like those players of that era, if people remember that, you know, that's the that's the experiences. And um, there was actually some coaches at West Ham where they, and they do this in England rugby as well, where the players, they choose the mentor. So for some, it might be the kit man. And that's okay because for some, it was like, the, he was the best person in the building with his life experiences, how he is, a confidant, someone that people feel they can talk to about certain things. And he was giving life uh, lessons and just keeping an eye on one of their top players who was earning good money on the fringes of the first team at the time. He's obviously now in the first team. And basically, they'd monitor him. You know, and he had questions whether it's about girlfriends or whatever, life, money. So the best mentor for him was that because that's where he struggled. The football was actually all right. It was maturing him as a man that, that he needed. And then in other areas, you know, like, some of the players might have, let's say, so-and-so as a coach, but they went to Joe over here because he's an ex-centre forward, scored over 100 goals in the Football League and 
he's got that experience. It's not to diminish what the coach has, but you've got to go where you know the expertise is. So there's a couple of things I want to add on to that um, before I hand over. So I, I think you're spot on. Um, I think we've got to recognise where we can sign post to. You know, I did this in like goalkeeping. Goalkeeping's not my area of expertise, but I would send people as a coach to, you know, we brought in like Tony Elliott who did some stuff with the keepers. You've got to do that. I think this is the note I make as you were talking, Yaz, is what are the pathways? What are the opportunities? What are the experiences and the challenges? So I'll repeat that again. Pathway, opportunities, experiences and challenges that we're designing, co-designing for the players. And I think within that, I'm just drawing on something Tony actually said many, many uh, weeks ago, where we've got to be careful that we're not do. it's not too much, right? Because we can do all these individual objectives and challenges and all these things and IDPs and what have you. But some players, it, you know, the game is a challenge in itself, isn't it? Playing in the position is a challenge in itself. Dealing with whatever the deal is a challenge. So I think we've got to, we've got to be that skillful uh, friend in that we're recognising like how much is too much, when to step back and let football be football or school be school, and then when to be that gentle nudge, you know, to inspire them. You know, we've had one recently at, at Sporting where he didn't want to try out for the academy. He's playing in our. Um, academy affiliate program and he didn't want to try out and we just had a chat with him pulled him to one side and said what have you got to lose he said what if I don't make it and uh, he's playing in a very low division team um, everyone else is playing at a higher level some are in uh, bigger more established clubs at the highest levels in their youth and they're in various competitions long story short this boy Johnny he's, he's got in over kids that are in higher programs He's got fantastic potential. He's a high potential player, high performer with high potential. He's got just an, an unbelievable desire to work hard um, and he, he takes on board everything. And, and, and I think, you know, even taking the risk, he's ended up showing that he can do it and he's impressed people and he's signed for the academy now. And, you know, one thing I take from that story is that, you know, sometimes it's good to, to push him uh, when you know they can. But, you know, we've also got to, uh, you know, look at these players and go like, what are they doing to drive it so that they're successful? So one thing he did, which was a strategy we do in the club, is we introduced these uh, reflective diaries, Yaz. So these reflective diaries, they'll write on what are their objectives, what were the key lessons that they took from practice, what did they learn from the session. He drew the sessions. He wrote on quotes, he looked at games, he watched games, he did some stuff on his own. Stuff that I didn't even know he was doing. You know, his dad told me the other day that he'd do in the back garden or whatever. Um, but he had this diary and he'd think about, like, you know, what was the message at the game? How did I feel? What were my emotions? When we lost, how did I react? When I missed that PK? So he's that was one way for him. You know, that was a strategy for him for taking ownership for his learning. So it's made me think, like, one layer we could go into, Yaz, um, is what are the qualities of a top player, like the key qualities of that future player for them to be able to learn how to lead, you know, themselves? Because that's what it's about. Like, it's, it's how do we get players to lead their own development? So, you know, they've, they've, obviously they've got to have that clarity piece of what's the relevance to me and why. 
So that's why I like what you said when you said, you know, coaches, players will challenge coaches. Damn right, like we should welcome that. You know, they should, they should challenge us. They should ask us questions. They should demand more because, you know, we're in a position of influence and it's important. Um, and I think one of the key qualities for them as a player is that they've got to be so self-aware of what their strengths are and what their areas for growth are. Now they can continue to turn that strength into a super strength and where they can, you know, learn how to survive probably most and foremost, you know, because every year in soccer, it's like retain or release. So that's a part of it as well is how do I survive? And then from survive, it's how do I strive? So I think there's certain key qualities within these players, whether it's the resilience, whether it's the emotional control, the confidence, what are, the desire, the determination, the commitment, that we've got to be thinking, okay, how do we develop those key qualities in these players so that they become better leaders of themselves? Um, that was something I just wanted to finish on. Don't know if you've got any thoughts on that you know, before we yeah. turn over to Graham. No, I think there's, a lo- there's loads there. And I think, you know, I'll start by saying you know, that piece around ownership. I think it's really important that we understand how the players want to actually be coached. And that's all part of this ownership piece as well, right? It just reminded me of an experience I had on Monday night. I was working with a group of players on a match day. Um, they got to basically like a playoff final of, the, of their league um, to decide who was going to win the, win the league. And up, up until this point, it's been very much, you know, my focus with them around, it's it's all about development. I'm not really bothered about the winning. Obviously, I want to win, but that doesn't come as a, as a number one priority for me. However, I recognised and under, you know, understood that the nature of the situation players do want to win whether rightly or wrongly and I think and I think they should um but giving them an understanding of what the context of the game is and really getting their views you know, how how do you want us as coaches to approach this game for you do you want us to go with the approach that we've been going with the whole season and giving them a bit more understanding and clarity on what that approach has actually been and the focus behind that and the rationale behind that or do we understand that actually today's a di- very different type of game this might mean something very different to you today than it has in the previous games. And do you want us to therefore be, you know, different in our approach as a result of that? And I think that's just as important because, you know, it, it, fundamentally it's, you know, I had to pause for a second because I was going to say it's their environment, but it, it's our environment and it's important that everyone has a part to play in understanding and, and you know, clarifying what, what it should look like at each given moment. And I think an opportunity to kind of go ahead and at the start of the game and ask the players well, how do you want to approach this. And, they, you know, they unanimously basically said, look, we want to win this game. So if that means you're going to need to be a bit more direct, and if that means some of us aren't going to get as many minutes, then that's what we want. We want to win this game. So I think it's giving them the opportunity to understand the context that they're in and actually make a decision is also part of that ownership piece and you know really recognising that actually we've got our own views of coaches, we've got our own understanding of what we want to do and why we want to do it, but letting the players in on that, and, you know, it shouldn't be a secret. They should really understand and they should really have an opportunity to kind of really decide, actually, do you know what? I'm not sure if that's for us right now or if I'm not sure if that's for me as an individual right now. And then within that, it's also recognising if you're going to set an environment where you want players to take ownership, you've got to allow them to make decisions. We have to allow it. And even if we don't agree with the decisions, it's it's not always important to necessarily agree on the decision. As long as there's an understanding as to where the where the where the decision is coming from, if you like, and how much consideration has been in there. So I think you know, going back to the initial point I made earlier about you know your the way in which you frame the role of the coach as being a you know learning designer and doing that as a, in, in a co-creating capacity, we have to have it just as much as an input as them, but also 
be allowed to kind of you know let the ego go from the coaching perspective and actually allow them to make the decisions even if we don't necessarily agree with it but there's going to be times also where they're going to make decisions because they're not fully in, fully aware of the insight around why certain things are being done and maybe why certain things aren't working and it's you know I had a really interesting experience recently as well where one of the players came to me she, you know the player says well yes it's, just, it's not working I'm like, well, no, actually, you're doing your part, but someone else in, in in the team isn't doing their part. That's why you feel like it's not working and you're potentially feeling like you're overworking in the process. So let's address that. Let's call it out for what it is. Let's not change it because you think it's not working, but let's actually hold people accountable to what they've signed up for in this process, if that makes sense. So I think that's you know, the first really key bit for, for me there. And I think the second piece is just looking at, you know, you, you mentioned about, the opportunities, the experiences, the challenges that we're, that we're, that we're kind of developing and designing for the players. I think it's really important, again, within that, that we need to have a really real understanding as to why we're doing it. You know, I've seen so many coaches sometimes where they present, they change the challenge or they change or provide a new opportunity for something to happen because players are either finding it too easy in some moments or they've or they've just they've just crossed the line of success they've just crossed the line of being able to demonstrate they can do something and i think it, you know something that's really important to consider here is when we're setting these challenges or when we're designing these things we need to ask ourselves well what does success actually look like in its first case and then beyond that what is this what is it what does sustained success look like and only when it's sustained then i think that's that's the point at which we then start to think like let's readdress where we're going with this, if that makes sense. So I think there's some, you know, some really key points in what you said, and you know, that's just kind of what I've taken away from it. And hopefully, it lands with some people in terms of that. But again, guys, really quickly, um, you know, massively appreciate everyone being involved in the conversation tonight. Whether you're gonna, you know, whether you're gonna speak up, add some, add some insight from your own experiences, or just ask questions, um, or even just listen, listening in. But just again, recap. You will get an hour CPD from you know as part of your FA learning hours, um, following a post session uh, brief task. So if you if you want to get access to that, just drop myself and Gerard a, a quick DM. Make sure you're following us. Make sure you're sharing this conversation. And again, guys, want to make this as interactive as possible because there's as much experience in the room with us as there is you know between myself and Gerard. So please do get involved. And on that note, Graham, over to you. Good evening. How are you? Good evening, yes, Gerard, and everybody else. Um... I just want to look at a different strand. Listen to it, it's really interesting because it's more towards the higher level of the game. Now, as a coach educator of 28 years, and the culture's changed from us being the coach where everyone comes in and watches us and we tell them what to do to a point now where we've got to step back and hand it over to the player. It's all about the player or the players or the unit or the team, not about us. So when I look at the question, how to lead players into taking ownership, questions I was getting on the UA for B from learners was, we work in grassroots, we have an hour a week and we have a weekend game. So how can we start to do that? So we start to strip this back a little bit and we start to look at what we call an arrival activity or a warm-up. And we were handing that over to the players. So the players organised that. So it was creating an environment where they needed to be comfortable need to be comfortable of taking things on, taking ownership, working with each other. So a lot of it was in this, what we call that side corner. As we got into the practice, how we intervened, um, how we brought them off the field and went into a little bit of feedback. I used to hand over the, the, the tactics board 
and then it will say, over to you, what's your thoughts? Let's put it on there. What do you think of that? So if there's going to be changes, there's going to be changes, I want that to come from you. So I'm, I'm not going to be on very long with this. Um, I'll, I'll make it very quickly. A young 18s team that had the season uh, in the final of a, of a county cup, seven under 16s and one 15-year-old playing in this final. They've got used to taking ownership and making decisions out there because the reason being is, stand on the side, my lens only looks across the field. Their lens looks up and down the field and across the field. I want them to make decisions. They will make mistakes because they're youngsters and that's part of their development. But fundamentally, as we did our warm-up, they went back in. This is in the final. And I went to the dugout and I said, listen, the last 10 minutes before you come out is down to you. So whatever was said in there was down to them. So it was every question when we came off at half-time, the first question was, tell me your thoughts. What are you going to do about it? And we... and. Again, we used to get into what we call Socratic question. What do you think before I answered that? So when we're looking at the grassroots, a really good way of, of, of starting this is to give them ownership of the arrival activity warm-up and then start to trickle it in. Because, you know, it was very difficult, someone has been doing it as long as I have, to, to understand at the end of the day the game is about players and not about coaches. So... That's me. I'll pass you back, Yaz, and I'll let somebody else speak. I really, really insightful. I think there's something really subtle in what you said there, and it's actually picking your moments and when you're going to do it, and actually beyond that, there's a rationale there. You know, you, rationale was clear from you in that you're looking at it from yeah, essentially the outside in. They're in. They're in the picture. They're in the frame. So they're going to they're going to have a completely different experience. And I think one of the key things that I look to do when when I'm working with players is literally similar to similar to yourself coming at half-time, right, what are their thoughts? And I'm not necessarily always relying on them to have the answers, but, but I'm really more interested and curious about, right, what are their observations? What are their learnings? What have they, what have they taken away from the experience so far that they've identified? And, you know, again, coming back to the piece that we talked about earlier around co-creating, it, it could then be that actually in partnership and integration with one another, we can then come up with some strategies and solutions or um, reinforcements around what's already happened and what they're experiencing and how to maybe adjust it and amend it to go for go further. So no, I really appreciate that. Gerald, over to you, man. No, I'm just so glad for Graham speaking because uh completely agree with what you said. What I really love about what you shared there was that whether you're working in an academy environment with some of the people listening are, or a non-league environment or an amateur or a grassroots environment, with, with grassroots players like some people are listening and we're working in, it's it's applicable, you know, and I think uh, I really love that. Like the, the star activity is huge, you know, and it shouldn't be underestimated, the, the power of these arrival activities. It's something that I've done in grassroots environments and um, uh, even the academy level and things like that. Exactly the same as you, Graham. I mean, we use a method, uh, play, practice, play. And the players set up that play phase. They, they set up the games. They even set their own challenges. We'll ask them questions even during, as we evolve the practice, um, after they've set up and they've organised the bibs, they've decided as people are coming in in dribs and drabs, who's on what team, what the field looks like, whether attacking one goal in each side, it's directional, whether it's one goal and two on the other side or whatever it may be. And just We've created that environment now where the players are so excited they're almost becoming better coaches 
And something you were saying there when you were talking about it, and even how you involve At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In the, you know, what do you think? Um, it just made, it made me think about this word ownership because we all use it and we talk about it and it's the topic of the title because it's one that people are probably more familiar with. Um, and, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, you know, is it perhaps even the right word? Could there be a better word? Because... Everything we're talking about is the importance of involving the player. And it's it's about them. It's not about us as coaches, you know. And, and I, I love it when the players now are becoming their own coach. And they're so intelligent, you know, even at grassroots level, some of the environments I'm over in here, where, as I say, they're literally going, oh, you know, uh, whoever it is, you know, Finley is very good at this, but he needs to get better at this. So we're going to put him up against Ethan and so-and-so is going to do this. And then they're actually thinking about the activity themselves. And they're coming... I mean, I'm learning some of my best coaching from the players because you'll ask them, like, how can we make this more challenging? They're coming up with certain rules where it's linked to the principles or the focus we're going after. And it's great because they have, they have these answers. So, you know, something I was going to share there um, while we, when we bring in Tony next and everyone in the room is... You know, have a think about what strategies you do use in your club environments right now. You know, one might be how often do you let the players lead the halftime talk? Because I think that one's a huge example. You know, versus us as coaches always leading the talk, can we design it where the players lead the halftime talk? You know, and it just goes back to, um, as I'm thinking out loud, that important piece around language, you know, because common language is critical. Because it's always a starting point to engage the conversation, right? And create that culture around expectations so and clarity. Um, obviously, if we change names to certain things, it can give us a fresh outlook on it. You know, and, and I think one example of that could be, you know, is player ownership, why, why is it this? Should it be more player involvement, which perhaps is more powerful? Because this means that everyone is together we're part of something as opposed to the players or the coaches being specifically in control, 
you know, we're, we're, we're co-designing this to, to create a better experience. So I'm curious as we open up to you, Tony, you know, um, what strategies are you doing in your club? Oh, I think Yaz has got his hand up. I'm, op- I'm open to Tony or Graham, anyone wants to chime in, you know, thoughts on that and then everyone in the room, you know, and yourself, Tony, and that, what strategies do you currently use as a task in your club? Can you, can you share examples of that player involvement? Just really quickly before Tony comes in on that, Gerard, I think it's, it's really important to highlight this and something we're going to talk about in next week's conversation around player-led versus uh, player-centred. And I think there's a, there's a key difference, a fundamental difference is that player-led is actually them essentially running the environment, if you like, in, in many ways. It doesn't have to be for the full session or the full interaction of the game or whatever that might look like, but things can still be player-centred and not player-led. And it's just something to kind of really just slot in there um, just to get everyone thinking about what that actually looks like and where they're taking, you know, the, the practicality of some of these terms as well. But again, Gerard, really, really important, you know, guys get involved in the conversation. You know, we've had Graham speak so far. Tony's about to jump in. If anyone's got any other insights or questions or any views they want to share with us, please do so. It's really important that we get as much information out as possible so we can continue growing this coaching community and really build, <coughs> sorry, really build some momentum and going into the following weeks. Over to you, Tony. Good evening, man. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. I'm hoping everybody can hear me because I'm actually in the car doing it a bit different this week. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. perfect. Cool. Uh, right, so a couple of different things from, from both what, what Gerard was saying earlier on and then touching a little bit on, on Graham's uh, points as well. Um, when I was working in the pro club game, one of the things that uh, seemed to stop players taking ownership is this kind of peer group pressure of being the busy boy in the changing room, the one who was sucking up to the coaches. Um, and I know that um, it was an accusation, for example, at Man United that some of the players uh, levelled at Gary Neville and his brother. Um, and it's it's a really difficult one because some of the best apprentices that I've worked with in, in the last 20 years didn't get pro contracts. They they won LFE awards for education and and best this and best that. But actually, they didn't seem to be the ones, whether it was, you know, they've all got a certain amount of ability to be in the position that they're in. Um, but whether they're not the right type of characters that certain first team managers wanted, um, th- there's so many variables when it comes to what people deem as success. Now, I can think of one player right off the top of my head uh, who was at Rotherham. He won Apprentice of the Year um, and and fully deserved his scholarship. But actually, a lot of us never ever thought that he'd be a pro because he was just, I guess, the wrong kind of character that, that would have been in the pro game. Now, this boy is... I hope he's listening. I bet he's not. He's... Um, He's out in the States. He went out there on a scholarship after he didn't get a pro contract. Um, did his two years at university, four, sorry, four years at university, got his degree, got a coaching job. He's now head coach at, at quite a big program out there. And I just think that, that that peer group pressure from within the changing room, I'm talking about the pro game now, um, stops people from actually 
realizing their their true potential at that time. Um, the, one of the points about uh, Graham's thing about arrival activities. When I did my, uh, I went out to Holland to do my academy manager's study visit at a at a club called uh, VVV Venlo. Um, who had a really strong youth program. And one of the things I noticed with their kids, as opposed to over here, if you, the majority of English kids, and this, this goes back to, to when I was a kid now, when they turn up to warm up, it's how many people can get in a six yard box and get on the end of crosses, how many people can smash the ball at the goalkeeper from 40 yards. In Holland, they did rondos. So if, if three people turned up, they'd pass the ball about or play 2v1. As soon as there was four people there, they'd play 3v1. If two more people turned up, they might go 4v2. If 10 people turned up, they'd probably set up two rondos. And again, over here, it just seems to have been a, this warm-up mentality of smash the balls as hard as you can towards the goal that we've never been able to get kids out of. So the more we try and cure that kind of thing, I think the better those arrival and, and ownership uh, traits might come out. And then my, my last point, going back to, to IDPs, the last two clubs that I've worked at, we've challenged the players um, with our help um, to come up with their own IDPs and said to them, right, so when we work on IDP, Saturday morning, you're going to have 25 minutes to work on your IDP. Come with a session. You know, you're all on YouTube and this, that, and the other. You're all on FIFA. Go and find a session. They're real easy to find. What I've found is the ones that turn up with a little bit of a session scribbled down on a piece of paper are actually the ones that are now getting further in the game. Better players, better learners, easier to coach. Just a few bits. I think it's really valid what you're sharing, Tony. And, and um, can you hear me okay, Yaz? Is it going in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. I think it's valid because the piece I'm thinking about here is what's the culture within an environment? Because I, I remember what you were even referring to about busy. I mean, it's um, <laughs> going off on one. I remember getting called busy at one of the old clubs I hated it. But it was used as a derogatory term, but actually to kick on and the people that you're talking about there, the ones now, um, it's a good thing, you know, and obviously society's changing in a lot of ways, but I think uh, the culture piece around that is, is key. What does a culture look like in the environment? And, uh, you know, so that's where I'm going with it. I think that's a great message because whatever environment you're in, you just got to, we've got to have a, uh, an expectation, like what, is, that's good. You know, we want people doing these things, but they've also got to have, that safety net that, you know, uh, it's okay. I'm going back to what you said, Yaz, earlier, that phrase you used, uh, if you remember, you said allowing them to make decisions. And it's okay, even if it goes wrong. But if we don't have that, if we say, and I'll give an example, we go, oh, player ownership, player involvement, whatever, co-design, oh, lads, set up this activity, but then we immediately go in and fix it, which people do. Oh, no, it's not right, it's not wide enough, it needs to be... And then we start moving the cones. We're, we're inadvertently telling the players that, you know, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to correct it anyway. We're going to fix it. So we're not really allowing them to. But if we let them set it up and 
I'm just using an example that's thrown into my head now. And then we're going, hang on a minute. Ask the players, what do you think? Could it be wider? Could it be longer? Involve them. Actually, yeah, it could be a bit wider. Okay, show me how wide you want to make it now. You know, is that better? So I think it's a bit like parenting, isn't it? You know, we're, so yeah. Tony, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's, it is a good point that, that we don't um, ask them what, what, what they think they should, do, they should do. And then we go, oh, well, actually. And I, I almost think that's a little bit of a danger. I know Graham has found a way of, of making it work with this. Uh, so what do you think? So, but where does that leave you as a coach if, if what they think is different to what you think? You know, you're stood on the sidelines with your 25 years of experience. Um, and if you've got to be really skillful to, to then talk them round to, to, to your way of thinking, because I, I take your point, Graham, about their lenses up and down and across the pitch, and yours is only across the pitch. Um, but I think that sometimes you've got to be the coach. It's what you, in some cases, are getting paid for. So just before Graham comes in, I think it's, I think you're spot on. <clears throat> I think um, you know it kind of links into what Graham was saying a little bit. And I think it's not really just the shift, the shift in terms of what coaching may look like now in comparison to what it was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but also what coach development also looks like. And I think there's, there's still going to be an element of allow them to have freedom to you know express their views and opinions, but it's also recognising actually we still need to align them with a goal, align them with a particular outcome. And I think part of it for me would be let the players potentially come up with a, with a solution, strategy or methodology around getting there, but actually be very clear in setting an outcome sometimes. So I think it's, it's, it's the kind of that, it's that sweet spot, isn't it? Or, you know, in understanding when you need to take lead and just, you know, this is what we're going after. I'm okay with you as players or, you know, if in a coach development capacity, you as coaches exploring how we get there, but this is the direction that we're trying to go in right now. But more specifically, this is the reason why we're trying to go in that direction. I think sometimes what we can be guilty of, and I think, and I've seen this so many times with coaches and, and working with their players, it's right players what do you want to do and it's like yeah but they still need some direction they still need some guidance and I think fundamentally if we're going to be assuming the role of coaches we need to recognize that one of our main roles in my opinion is to be very clear in understanding that actually a direction needs to be set whether it's again player led or player centered or coach led if the direction isn't set, we we just you know we're going fast and we're going fast nowhere, and I think I think that's, that's that's probably one of the biggest things I would say on that one, and I think really important that we don't fall into a trap of just letting it be, if that makes sense. And I think a big part of that is taking your ego out of it, but also recognizing your role and responsibility as a coach. And I think you know it's just really important just to kind of make that point as well. Graham, over to you, mate. Yeah. Um... Tony, agree what with what Tony said, um, but from a coach's perspective, trial and error is as much for us as it is for players. So sometimes when you look at the different phases that you work in, in a foundation phase, your development phase, or open age or senior phase, whatever you want to call it, you know the the trade-offs are is how do you want our players to learn? They are going to make mistakes. It's something you're going to have to accept. And I'll just switch back to that 
that competition where I said about the younger players at, at the beginning. Um, in the league they played in, we never won a league game. We did actually, but a team dropped out. Never won a league game. Yet they won the biggest county cup in the region. And a lot of it was player ownership led. And what and, and Tony's absolutely right. The skill set is so important. And that doesn't happen overnight. That takes a while. It takes a long while to gain experience. But, you know, you've got to challenge yourself. And you don't always have the answer. And you're right about direction. Sometimes you will say to them, OK, we tried it. It's, it's, it's bombed. It hasn't gone very well. But I want you to go away and think about why and what we could do different next time. And patience is so important. Because fundamentally, I'm looking to improve not just the player, but the person. And not to be afraid of that mistake. So 100% agree with what Tony says. And, and, and I'll just have a, a little story. I won't name the individual, but on a, it was a Develop and, develops, uh, de- develop and Developers um, course. And eight individual talked about let the game be the teacher. And in the room was a lot of young coaches. Now, it, it's got to be put into context. And I asked, asked this individual, did he have children? And he said, yeah. I said, so when you take them swimming, you just chuck them in? And the answer was, well, of course not. I said, well, you know, you'll probably give them some armbands or a rubber ring or a float. What's the difference in coaching? If that player can't work it out, that's when I'm going to come in. And in the professional game, I get that. We don't have the time. Sometimes we've got to lead and, and drive. But, but fundamentally, we've got, to, we've got to find out about that person. And it's absolutely great to hear that a young man who left Rotherham and went into America and got a degree and is now leading a high programme. You know, fundamentally, he's, he's found his pathway. But we as coaches have got to try and support that, whether it's in the professional game or it's in, you know, grassroots. So that's me for now. Thank you. I love it, Graham. No, it's bang on. And just listening to you there, you're already on the same wave where I was going to go next in terms of like who is in front of us. I think we've got to develop that person. And I think going back to your point, even Tony's, it's it's huge that there's that time and place, isn't there? But we've got to be skillful. And if they're still not getting it, at times we can go in. But then can we at least then after follow up with a question? And it's that fine balance, isn't it? Because if you ask too many questions, you give too much exploration and they won't know what to look for. But if you give too much direction, they're never going to be able to think for themselves. You know, a bit like the helicopter parent who's always coming in and tying the laces and, and making sure the water bottle's there and packing their bag for them, putting them, making sure, you know, because we had a boy who, at 19, I remember coaching at Rayesa, we set up a trial for him. All he had to do was get on the train and he didn't know how to do it. And he was so nervous and we've set him up another opportunity and he missed it just because he was so, he didn't know how to go up to somebody and ask for help. Something as simple as that for us to go up and just all look at the board and figure it out. So used to getting chauffeur driven everywhere. So I agree. And it's, it's just that continuum, isn't it? Because if you're too much, they're going to always have to look to you for the answer. Um, so I think it's, it's that balance. And then that's just leading me to think, you know, in a summary, who is in front of us? Who is that person in front of us? And where can we help them get out that potential? And we've got to see that potential in everyone. 
because I know it's so easy to go, this player's good, and everyone can spot that talent that, you know, stands out a mile off and screams at us. But what about the ones that are whispering or what about the ones that are just subtle or like or almost hidden? How are we finding that? And I think, how do we find the... No, signing corny, like, what's the strength in somebody? You know, because some players will be great facilitators in environments. Some players, you know, like the boy Tony mentioned, he'd gone on and had a great career. And perhaps that was always going to be that destiny. And he can come on and use those experiences that he's had in the game to inspire others. You know, and I think that's okay as well. I mean, I know the academy game gets a lot of stick, but there's actually a lot of positives in that if they're going abroad and they're getting all this exposure to things, you know, what great experiences. So um, I think it's huge. I just wanted to close on who's in front of us and then use these words around inspire, involve and inform, which I use a lot because I always think, like, how can we inspire and how can we involve? Because we often do a lot of instruction and informing and directing, which is part of the role. But can, can we also inspire them and what does that look like? You know, what does fun look like to them? Why are they coming to the environment in the first place? Which goes back to the who's in front of us. Because, you know, you, Graham, the way you are, you're going to be that. There'll be certain things that get you going, right? Just like me, just like Tony. So what is it that makes fun for them? And then how can, why do they even play football in the first place? And then how can we then use that to plan experiences for them or have them plan experiences for them? How can we involve that? In the in the design, so inspire and involve. Yeah, yes. You got my mind exploding there, mate. I've got a load of different things that have come out from that. First of all, I think it's really important to understand this. Players will come into an environment typically to enjoy themselves. Often, you get players who want to come in, and they might have a view of becoming a professional footballer or progressing their career in the game in that respect. But you'll also get players who maybe haven't even considered that because it's not been exposed to them in that way. And I think part of the role is actually not just understanding what players are wanting from the environment, but opening their minds as to what they can get from the environment. And I think that's just as important, you know, and, and, and it kind of think, it makes me think back about an experience recently where I was speaking to some coaches around how they identify potential and, you know, how they, you know, profiling players, if you like, and, the challenge I gave to them, and, and, I, and I'll just throw this out here now for everyone just to start to think about is, are we looking at a player's potential based on what they can actually achieve or based on what our limitations as a coach can get them to? How how honest and authentic are we, are we with ourselves in terms of what we can actually offer the, the, the players in our environment and how, where we can actually add value? And how much are we actually then saying, do you know what? This player could get more than what I can offer them. And they could get beyond where I could take them. But are we willing to accept that as coaches as well? And I think it's really important. You know, it just made me think about that as you guys were talking there as well. Because it, it's so important. Just because you're the coach, just because you've got the qualification doesn't mean you have all the answers. Hence why we're all here right now le- trying to learn off each other and pick up different ways of working. And I think it's really important just to kind of put that point out there. So, you know, that I'll just, you know, wanted to kind of just chime in and just add that piece to it as well. But really important, guys. Make sure you're following myself. Make sure you're following Gerard. Every week we're here um, on these Twitter spaces, pretty much every Sunday and throughout this month of May. Um, for all the CP, for all the Twitter spaces we do do, there is an, there is one hour CPD up for grabs as part of your FA learning hours. 
and follow in a post-session task, um, which is literally a very brief task for you to complete and send back in. If you're not sure where to access that, drop us a DM, either myself or Gerard, and we can give you access to that as, as and when you get in touch. But Gerard, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add on the final note, mate. No, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the bit there, what you've just shared, is a great note to end on because it just made me think back to that one I was talking about right at the start when I mentioned Pete Trivium, where, you know, almost like Russ is holding kids back. He would obviously go, right, you need to be with the first team, you know, and that team that he was coaching that year, that youth team and what have you, they actually finished bottom of the, the Youth Alliance League, but they had the most amount of talent and players that kicked on you know, and, and obviously generate a lot of money. So I think it's a huge point, you know, whether it's right for their development, they've got, you've got to let them go or whether it's actually like, I've done everything I need to do now, you know, and these guys need to go, but also makes you self-aware, doesn't it? You know what? Cause then it's like an interlinked piece, isn't it? Like, what do I need to get better at as a coach? So I think that's great. Yes. You know, and just makes me think I want to do more homework now. <laughs> I want to look at myself now and think, you know, where am I inadequate and what do I need to keep doing to get better? So I love it. So, yeah, I don't know if we want to finish on that note or even if there's anyone else who wants to share some examples, you know, from their environment. If not, Yaz, I guess it's the task as well, right? Yeah, definitely. So we've got, we've got like I said, post-session tasks, very quick, just reflections around, you know, your key takeaways from today's session. Um, you can get access to that by dropping myself or Gerard a, a, a quick DM. Alternatively, if you go onto my profile, I've just shared a link to where you can sign up to register for the CPD hours as part of these sessions where um, back end of back end of the weekend or even early tomorrow, an email will be sent out with the task. So do get involved on that. And I think um, the final, the final note from me really, Joel, I don't, you know, feel free to add anything once I'm done is stay away from rondos. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. No, I love it. <laughs> Great stuff. Is there anyone else who wants to add anything? If not, absolutely great to have so many people with some great experiences. I'm just looking at everyone who's listening. It's great to see some new faces as well. You know, so let's keep this community going and, you know, more people tuning in. And what we really want to do is, as Yaz said, like get the, get the conversation going and share best practice from everyone. You know, it's less about uh, information. It's more about engagement and involvement, like we're talking about with the topic title. So, you know, take what you can and let's keep the conversations going and complete the task. And uh, really looking forward to the next one, Yaz, because I think it tees in really nicely. So if anyone's got any questions, feel free to reach out to myself, Yaz, anyone in the room. And, uh, you know, we're all part of this coaching community. So let's keep elevating the standards. Go on, Tone, what are you going to say to us? Use Rondos carefully, boys and girls. <laughs> oh, well done, well done. Good comment, Tone. Um, great evening. Great uh, great insights, everyone. Thank you for your participation, Graham, Tony in particular. Um, everyone else has had you know part to play in the conversation by just being there to be involved, listening. Um, guys, please feel free to get involved in future conversations. Again, this is really about us engaging and interacting and sharing information with one another. There's as much room 
um, as well, sorry, as much experience that you know on the on the platform of those guys speaking in the room, as well as those guys listening. So please share your views, share your experiences, and we look forward to seeing you next week, guys. Have a great evening. Take care. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.